opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. Well we know who the hard left who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation. Hard left wing position. Hard left, 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 hard One summer's day, he came passing by. One of the things that Lemon Tusky tries to do in this book is like address the idea that he was like one of the. Because you know there were lots of Corbin puppet masters. We talked about Metallica earlier. Like, who was the master of Corbin? Like that that was that was like a big thing in the press. It was Seamus Mill and it was Len McCluskey, it was Carrie Murphy like there was a little bit of Carrie Murphy going on, but it was mostly Seamus Mill admittedly. Yeah. I cannot Putin. wait cannot wait your Putin to be fair, we've had a resurrection of that because obviously it turns out the NHS is getting sold off to Americans. Um, yeah. it turns out that is happening. Who could have so, known? And so cunts like all those journalists who were like, oh no, it came potentially from a Russian source who posted it on Reddit. Who gives a flying fuck? Like, who actually <laughs> gives a shit where it came from? Is it true? Is it not true? If it's true, we have to deal with it, you know? And we could have dealt with it if it weren't for a bunch of these fucking spineless twats in the press. I, anyway. I, I would rather uh, trust the word of Russian disinformation, not even information active Russian lies than so-called news in the British press. <laughs> if, if, a, if, a, if, a Russia, if a KGB agent came to me and said, this is a lie, and then told me something, I would be more inclined to believe that than 90% of the British media. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, do you go to somebody... Them... Even with no. them telling me, in fact, it's kind of like there are two KGB agents. One always tells the truth and one always lies. <laughs> like, you know, but, but I, I, I genuinely would rather believe a fucking KGB agent over most of the British press because they are all partisan hacks and liars. Straight you up. Know. Yeah. Apologies to any of the journalists who follow me on Twitter. You're good, obviously. You're the good ones. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I like um, John Stone. John Stone recently followed me. Um, he like, followed yes. me recently as well. He oh. followed one of my followed one of my old accounts, but uh, we uh, have not been mutual for a while. But we are again now, and um, I'm to... glad to be back in the game with, with John Stone together at last again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, no, there are some good journalists, but as a whole, the British the profession of journalism in in the nation of Britain is bad. As a series of institutions, <laughs> they are terrible. I think that and, is. And, I think and that is people the... mostly and individuals. Yeah, I just try. I try really hard not to make it an individual thing as much as I can. Um... Well, it's not the individuals who I'm friends with, but it, it, it is other ones. <laughs> mm, yeah, the ones who I'm not friends with, they're the problem. 
Um, <laughs> if you would like to not be the problem with the British press, simply become my friend. Um, like, well, look exactly. Look at look at how I always um, stick up for George Eaton. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah, that's that, that's that. He's the exception to the rule, though. That's it. It's not like it's not like there's there's pretty much any journalists. Yeah, but the structure uh, is so fundamentally rotten that even good people turn bad in the institutions usually. Which mm. is why, which is why I welcome any British journalist who just fucks off out of there, starts a Substack, and just chat yeah. shit. Well, it's um, like Raphael Bear. He was just like this like weird guy who wrote about how shoes don't look like feet, and then. <laughs> like the journalist power went to his head and he just became a monster uh and then he uh eventually like gave himself a heart attack uh, and so who's <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Who, who's fucked up now mother oh, i don't know what am I is saying? it is it there isn't there like i don't know if this is true but i have heard that like mike gapes once got so furious about corbin it potentially potentially caused this heart attack yeah he did he did say that i think yeah. i think that was in the cock book um, yeah. yeah, he said he said a lot of stuff like he was. Uh, yeah, he 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 did like a bunch of stuff to like support a vote. Uh, it was like a vote to go to war in Syria. I think he was he was yeah, super yeah, active on that. He, and then he went to a Jules Holland show. It, it <laughs> and was had a heart attack. Wasn't it like he specifically <laughs> abandoned his wife or like something that, that, to that go was... to a fucking vote? <laughs> That was 2003. Tony Blair's Blair's people were like, well, we're having this important vote on uh, the Iraq war. And Gapes was like, I wouldn't miss it for the world. But but Mike, don't don't worry. You don't have to. I, we know we know your wife is very ill. Why uh, why don't you why don't you go um and spend time with her in hospital? Uh, we've got this vote covered. We'll definitely win and kill loads of Iraqis. And Gapes was like, No, I need to have the blood on my hands. <laughs> I I feel like I, this is the wife who divorced him. Incidentally, yes, I will yes, point yeah, out yeah. this this wife divorced him. So like, he got, he got, yeah, he came back to he came back to his home in Ilford and he's just knocks on the door he's like honey i'm home <laughs> hello anybody in i love i love that he's like furious as he announces he's home <laughs> he's like, honey i'm home just voted for a bloody brilliant war <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> darling darling uh, uh, don't you want to hear about the war <laughs> i'm gonna have to look up when mike gapes got divorced now i'm sorry everyone <laughs> Because I'm going to type in Mike Gapes' divorce and it's going to come up with... Uh, oh, I've been through a divorce. I know I've what divorces are like, of course. <laughs> it was the classic interview by I'm uh, not, Patrick I'm, Maguire. I'm not making this up. They divorced in 2004. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm sorry. That timing is fucking astonishing. <laughs> it's just like, so, uh, sorry, Mike. After, after my brush with death, I sort of asked myself... What the fuck am I doing spending my life with this guy called Mike Gapes? <laughs> my, my, my surname is Gapes because I took yours. I need to leave. Yeah, yeah. I've made some mistakes. I, I, I am going to save my every minute on this earth now. Bye, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Hope your war's going well. <laughs> so you definitely cut in the thanks, Mike bit there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh dear. Uh, oh, how do we get on to talking about Mike Gabes? <laughs> it just happens. Whenever like this podcast is happening, I assume like there's. I assume when you edit it down, there's like twenty minutes of Mike Gapes material that has to be cut every single yeah, time. Yeah, we all we always talk about Mike Gapes. Like whenever like I say like you have uh, or something, it's like when I'm <laughs> editing, I'm always like, oh fuck, I've got to go and get the milk sample and cut it in again. Fuck's sake. Yeah, there's milk. Milk. Everything comes back to Gapes here. Yeah. Um, so there are, like, two chapters that are, like, significant and about, like, the election. Well, about the EU posi- um, position and the election. So there's a slow-motion car crash, and then there's the Brexit election. And yeah. Yeah, the slow-motion car crash one is exactly what you'd expect. There's a lot of what we already discussed with, like, um, this issue is sort of uniquely placed to cause a leader like Jeremy Corbyn this specific problem it did. Yeah. Yeah, almost as if there's uh, something suspicious going on there. I don't I don't know. I look, who 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 can say which parts of the whole Brexit thing were an intelligence op? Were yeah. for example, was um Michael Chesham working for the British intelligence services? There's no evidence of this that I personally possess. That Look, these are just questions. You've got to pose questions of which you don't have a definitive answer, like That's right. that one that I just asked. Uh, but also, what if a whole referendum was the idea of the intelligence services? They came to David Cameron in the night and they were like, right, so we told people about the... We, we, we told Lord Falconer and he made sure everybody knew about the fucking pig the pig fucking rather <laughs> fucking the fucking pig so you better listen to us unless you want people to know about all the other dead animals you've been fucking you better listen to us <laughs> quick cameron we want a we want an uh, we want a second referendum because uh, we have polling that shows that uh, Miliband's on the way out and left and labor members for some inexplicable reason actually want a leader who is slightly even you know, somewhat to his left, Unimagin- unimaginable why anyone in this austerity-riddled country in which we, the intelligence services, have just been going around, like, turning a blind eye to uh, people cl- clearly on the road to radicalization who may also be of some use to us. No idea why anyone would want to change that. But anyway, we hear that the Labour Party is going to uh, move to the left soon. So basically, we want to destroy socialism in this country forever. Uh, so what what we need you to do is to have this referendum that takes away old class divides, uh, you know, just like our asset Mr Blair did, uh, that, that, that erodes old class divides, and um, instead, impo- and, and erodes the old left-right division, uh, and instead creates this completely ridiculous binary with people that we have it on good authority that the British press will completely accept because they're like little toddlers who need something new and shiny every two minutes. So, Mr. Cameron, if you don't want us to reveal the stuff about the aardvarks, then uh, you, you, you'd, better, you'd better go to the country right now with this, uh, this fucking stupid referendum. 
I, I thought, right, so here's the direction I thought that was actually going to go in. So I'm going to tell you what I thought the, the conspiracy theory was going to be. I thought the conspiracy theory was going to be that, as, as is noted in this book, uh, Alan Johnson was the head of the, uh, the Remain campaign, the Labour Remain campaign. Mm. And that he had deliberately run a shit campaign because he knew it would drive a wedge in this specific way. Entirely plausible. Tell me. Now more. I'm not you saying that happens, me. to be clear. But like I am. Yeah, well, you are. I'm not. So that's your problem. That's not my problem. Um, but I, that's what I thought the like the conspiracy would be because, you know, g- given the kind of cunt these people are, like. I think like it's entirely possible that they would do something like that. Well, yeah, like we mentioned last time, that Len McCluskey. Uh, I'm not saying Len's part of a conspiracy. <laughs> I, that that seemed to be. I was like, hang on, if I say this first in the sentence, it will seem like that's where I'm heading. <laughs> no, but Len McCluskey is like. Corbyn got all this blame for how badly the referendum went, and Alan Johnson didn't get any blame, rightly or something. I'm like, what? No, he should have got loads of blame. It was a terrible campaign. Uh, you've, al- you've already said that he's, like, not even... Wor- he- he's, like, fake working class. He's, like, betrayed his working class roots. So you might as well say he ran a bad campaign. <laughs> well, because he did. The Labour campaign was fucking atrocious. It was but, so like, bad. I, I get... I, I, have, I have a lot of very negative feelings about both the Remain and Leave campaign, which leaves me in a great position in this country. Um... <laughs> But there was, there was, yeah. um... The two types of politics it's okay to have, you know, either you remain or leave, that's all that matters. Yeah, it's what all that if... says anything about a person. What if I hate the EU but campaign to remain because I hate the people who are more racist to me than the people who are less racist to me? What the fuck then? <laughs> how about mm, that? How, yeah, how do we work know. that one out, everyone? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds uh, possibly even less than a 7.5 out of 10 to me. It is. I don't, I don't it think is. that's tolerable. The 7.5 <laughs> was like the moment I was, I felt kind of okay about what I was doing. Because, like, I, to be clear, I was raised in, like, a household where the EU was, like, disliked strongly and regarded as, like, an all-whites club. Which is why now, whenever a Remainer gets mad at me about, like, some of them are still like, oh, if only Jeremy Corbyn had gone Remain harder. And I'm like, you people no. just care about being an all-whites club, not about poor people. Get fucked. Like, mm. I actually got blocked by a former MEP for basically saying that to him. And good riddance, <laughs> to be honest, because, you know, because apparently it strikes a nerve, you know. Yeah, well, and... like, pretty much every country in the EU, the far right, are like, oh, well, we don't want the bloody Turks joining the EU, do we? Yeah. Actually, really weirdly, in one country, a far right party specifically wants Turkey to join because they think it oh, will destroy okay. the EU. I stand corrected, <laughs> but I, I think, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure which far right party is, but they're like, no, don't you get it? If Turkey joins, it will probably destroy the whole fucking thing, so we may as well have them in. Like... The, uh, the accelerationist far right. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm actually, I might not, I might be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure that was also the BNP position. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, well, okay, I stand corrected yet again. <laughs> yeah, because in the 2000s, obviously, like, every major party, you know, uh, well, the major parties in the 2000s, Lib Dem, Labour, um, Tory, were like, no, we want Turkey to join because, like, it seems to make some sense that a slightly liberalising large economy that is culturally connected to Europe would be part of the EU. Um yeah. Obviously, like, a lot of the social and and economic liberalizations kind of got reversed, except for privatizing the postal service recently, which is a very 
stupid thing to have done. Um, yeah. But but obviously, the, but the BNP were like, no, no, we want, and UKIP even were like, no, no Turkey should join if it wants because it'll fuck the whole thing up. Like, oh. what do we what do we give a shit? You know, like our position is we'll leave if they want to come in and fuck it up. They can do that if they like. And it's like, yeah, all right. I mean, it probably uh, would have uh, yeah. probably would fuck it up to be fair, but because um, if you thought Britain was a fucking difficult member of the EU to deal with. You wait until you have to deal with like Turkey's internal <laughs> politics. <laughs> yeah, well, good job. We're not uh, we're not members anymore, so they don't have yeah. to deal with our shit any longer. <laughs> but also, we now have to do deals with Turkey, which is great. I love doing deals with Turkey because yeah, yeah. Uh, certain uh, a certain member of the House of Lords, former MP, loves doing deals with Turkey. Um, one who Len McCarthy oh, says should have been. Mean should have been deselected on the spot one who had who has been dodging a certain investigation i hear um yeah yeah i mean literally he went into the 2017 election saying that he would never support jeremy corbyn to be leader uh and was kept on as a labor candidate i think tom watson personally vouched for him yeah. yeah like how does like tom watson say oh don't worry he's a great bloke just like this guy who has undermined every labor leader uh he's ever served like how does his vote of confidence like uh, <laughs> get you completely like accepted you know get get uh, all all is forgiven <laughs> from the labor party i, I, I think his I think, as Len points out, uh, the fact that the NEC wasn't under left control until 2018 probably yeah. played a bit of a role in that one. Yeah, I mean, totally. It's just, it, it, to be fair, that was probably the moment when we should have realised the goose was cooked, really, in retrospect. That was probably it. Like, if you can't get rid of a fucking dickhead like John Woodcock, who are you going to get rid of, really? Yeah, uh when no, no you're right i think uh, the 2017 election pretty much everybody who was a labor candidate the last last election was just allowed to go again uh apart from simon danchuk who had been caught sexting teenagers <laughs> he he very specific no but to be fair simon danchuk is very funny because he very specifically made the claim that he was personally popular in his constituency and would win uh, yeah. it as an independent. He actually, I'm not, I'm, he was very vocal and clear about that. Ended up getting something like 276 votes. The Labour yeah, candidate cleaned really his funny. fucking clock at that. And really for every other candidate, funny. to be fair. I think the fucking Revolutionary Communist Party got more votes than him in that seat. So, yeah. like, you know. But there was actually uh, lots of talk about how Danchuk may, might be still get to run in the seat in 2017 like that i think like i'm not saying it was tom watson simply because i cannot remember the facts but uh <laughs> you know it, of all people who it's likely uh, to have been you know that doesn't sound implausible to me there were definitely people on the right who were like calling into the nec to vouch for danchuk which incidentally like tells you something about the character and to be fair uh, i think len mccluskey's book covers the character of the plp quite nicely uh the character of the plp and bear in mind this plp is the one we have currently unfortunately is largely similar to the one that len mccluskey is talking about throughout the book um full of fucking cunts yeah Um, you know just, it's impressive that, like, as a parliamentary group, Labour MPs might be more disgusting than Tory MPs as an <laughs> aggregate collective. Yeah, yeah, I, like, I, I, I think so. 
you know. And people, you know, people are like, oh, the corruption scandal very much is a partisan scandal because, you know, 90 Tory MPs. There was some fucking, some Guardian columnist who wrote basically this is a partisan scandal because there are more of them on the Tory side than Labour side. And I'm like, have you seen fucking Labour MPs? Yeah, Who's going to hire these cunts? I wouldn't hire a fucking Labour MP. The Labour Party just embezzles money from its members directly through the Labour organisation. Like, I I think, I don't think, oh, look at how unemployable Labour MPs are as anything other than Labour MPs, as a winning argument for your anti-corruption credentials. And also, I don't want to pop on, I don't want to, like, fixate too much on the corruption thing. One party is in government, and is always in government, basically. The other party's a bunch of fucking losers. Who yeah, are you going to hire to lobby for you, really? I, I saw um, Flying Rodent tweet earlier that, like, when people say that Labour are worse than the Tories, it's like, yeah, and I'm taller than my cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like, is, that, uh... is that the bar? Like, so we literally have, like, the fucking party of, like, British landed gentry and uh, from the 80s onwards, like, financial capital and just generally of the British establishment, the press barons, just the biggest bastards in the country for dregs of colonialism, you know, uh... Uh, and, and like labor are just supposed to be like not as bad as that yeah exactly like, great like, what what a bar like thank god for uh, you know who's you know who's like actually not as bad as the fucking tories as an individual party lib dems why don't we vote lib dem then yeah what, what, yeah, what is what is the material difference then not quite as bad yeah i mean no thank god for people like len mccluskey who made it their mission to to change things because that's like something i felt we didn't address enough last time mm, His, yes basically his political strategy unites uh, the unite political strategy um among uh, like under len mccluskey is very different to the one currently being pursued by sharon graham which to be honest i don't particularly see like i don't really know what her political strategy I... is uh, other than almost not having one i, fi- and, I think and using this as a point of pride i don't think it's not having one so much as wanting to basically so like len mccluskey's political strategy we should probably talk about that first which was to engage with the labor party to try and shift it in a better campaigning and political direction right that was that was his that was his big strategy and i think sharon grimes is more like i want to focus on industrial matters more because at first we're, we're a union Secondly, the Labour Party. I think the implicit thing in Sharon Graham's Graham's thing is like the Labour Party are kind of fucked as it is. They're, they've been screwed coming and going. So like minimal engagement is there's no point engaging with it because it's not going to be relevant to national politics. But it's also time. it's also an implicit criticism of McCluskey and of his mm. uh, the way that he ran Unite and its engagement I... with Labour when she says that uh, you know uh, Unite's political strategy has failed. I don't know if I entirely agree that it's failed because like for um however many years for about 10 years unite was the most politically powerful union in the country uh, I, I it doesn't make sense to me although i was obviously as we'll, we'll get into gerard Coyne in a bit i mm-hmm. was absolutely delighted to see sharon graham 
uh, beat the the dastardly coin. I, I, oh, abso- I, oh, absolutely! Like I remember and, we, talk- and, and, we were talking about just, that last time. Even yeah. to make it clear, I don't I don't dislike her. I'm glad I'm glad that Sharon Graham won. But stuff for me, stuff like not turning up to Labour conference, just not turning up when Keir Starmer was, uh, you know, railroading the left uh, in in historic ways, you know. Thanks to what happened at Labour conference, the left will probably, uh, you know, not be able to get a leadership candidate uh, on the ballot of uh, a contest in for the foreseeable future. And for me, it's just an abdication of leadership not to show up uh, um, there and, and uh, you know, really provide for Unite people who were, to their credit, still organising against what Starmer was doing uh, with that, um, you know, that kind of strong figure at the head, which which McCluskey always did. So, you know, I, I, I think that he, his um, political strategy is basically predicated on uh, predicated on the idea that this this dichotomy between the political and the industrial is a false binary. Mm-hmm. That the two are inextricable. Yeah. Uh, that one powers the other, you know, that governments can uh, help or immiserate workers uh, and that workers can, uh, through organising, influence uh, government policy. Yeah. I, and, and to be fair, I, I don't think it's failed so much as run out of road at the moment. Like, Len McCluskey's specific strategy has run out of road. But, and, mm. and also I would say, like, for Sharon Graham, like, my, my, my criticism of her strategy or her uh, decision to focus on the industrial more than the political and believe in that dichotomy is, if you want to disaffiliate from the Labour Party, if you think it's fundamentally, like, an irrelevance, the Labour Party itself, just do it. There's no better time yeah. to fucking to fucking you know divest from the Labour Party. I fucking did it. I've never been happier. Like there's no better time to just sort of say this vehicle because you know like this is the thing people don't maybe don't like engage with seriously is like political parties and things like that. They're tools, right? Sometimes a tool is good for a job and sometimes it's not. And you can always pick it back up if you feel like it. If it suddenly becomes useful again, you can always pick it back up. But I, th- I think as a tool, it's outlived its usefulness. Yeah. I mean, what, what, whilst I think that um, Sharon Graham's slogan, uh, no blank checks for the Labour Party, was a good one, mm-hmm. uh, especially given the way that the Labour Party... I, I, I wouldn't have agreed with it. It would have sounded like a right-wing, sl- a coin-esque slogan under Corbyn. But in the Starmer context, yeah, I, I, can, I can see the appeal of it. Um, it's not like Len McCluskey... Uh, in his final days as general secretary, was saying we should give Starmer Labour a blank check because obviously after his relationship with Starmer soured, which we did cover a bit last time regarding the Corbyn suspension. Uh, yeah, it, it may, was, it, maybe worth talking about again actually. Just yeah, to yeah, get yeah. Into it a bit more, we should yeah. we should do, but uh, it was uh, you know after his relationship with Starmer soured, Ben. Not, not simply because of, you know, a, per, a breakdown in personal relationship, but political, um, you know, Unite under McCluskey then did vote to, um, you know, take away a lot of money from the Labour Party to reduce its... Uh, its affiliates. It, it's a, yeah. yeah, it's affiliate... I'm forgetting the exact words for it, but yeah. <laughs> it's affiliate levy, I think that's it. Yeah, that's, yeah. It was Political by 50,000. It was by 50,000. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which is a lot. I mean, that, that's not like... I mean, especially given the way Starmer's labour is just sort of slinging money about. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was a, a union that had, you know, pa- bankrolled the Remain campaign, the Labour Remain campaign to the maximum amount, had basically single-handedly fucking funded the 2017 election for Labour. Yeah, I think it was, it was something like 70% of the trade union funding at that election came from Unite. It, it, it is mad that the right of the Labour Party don't want this union on side. Like, it, yeah, but, like, but, but they know they represent workers, and they they are capitalists. The right, yeah, of the this Labour is, Party. yeah, this is the, yeah, this is, I think, at its core, the fundamental issue. And and um, I, yeah, I just just glad that fucking cunt coin lost and lost hum- embarrassingly, I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's, and it's good, and you know, basically. I, I, I was the last time I was on Real Politic, we were talking about the the Unite thing, the Unite leadership, uh, general secretary election, because it was just on at the time. It was the topic because everyone was getting mad at each other over which of the over whether the left should have a United slate, like you know one candidate or whatever, and who it should be. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Just make sure Coin loses. And it turns out he lost quite badly. So, mm. um, you know, good. I simply say good. Should we get onto the coin stuff then, since we're yeah. talking about him? Well, I'm this gonna... was, as Len says himself. Uh, sorry, what are you going to say? Oh, oh, sorry. I'm just searching the book for um, for Gerard Coin. Um, there it'll it af- is. It will be after the chicken coup bit. Um, yeah, because. It's, so it, um, this was before the 2017 general election. It's a close it? call, isn't it? It's chapter 17, a close call. A close call, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, um, this was the new front opened up in the war of the left, uh, the war, the war at, against the left, or on the left, um, after Corbyn won re-election in 2016. So the Labour right had to kind of regroup and think, what are we going to do next? And part of what they decided was we're going to attack Corbyn more. And indeed, um, by early 2017, they had made Corbyn's position as leader once again seem pretty unsteady to the point every single interview he did, someone was saying, will you, conti- uh, will you consider your position as leader? And then, you know, you even had like Owen Jones and stuff coming out yeah. saying, Corbyn needs to sort everything out. And then the 2017 election happened. In fact, there is a specific anecdote with Owen Jones uh, meeting Len McCluskey when the election's announced, where Owen Jones is like, you know, it's not too late to change leader. And Len's like, are you, have you, are you mad? We're in the middle of the fucking election. Like, come on, Did, come on. We, we have to roll the dice we have now. <laughs> like, you got to roll late. with it, Owen. Yeah, you got to like, take your time. You got to say what you say. Don't let anybody get in your way. It's my doing... advice to Owen Jones. There you go. Um. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no. Uh, did did he have a name? Did he suggest anyone? Was it was like Emily no, no, no. I think I think it was just a general. I think there was a general vibe of panic in. Yeah. Um, in when would it have been announced? Like April twenty seventeen. I must. I have don't just know. I remember just shitting myself when I saw it. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I must have been. I was. I remember because I was twenty three. I was wicked hungover when the announcement was made. Um, because yeah. it was made on like a Tuesday, and I was like, fuck's sake. Why was I was like, hungover? I literally can't um, cope with this. I'm gonna smoke a big one and go back to bed because this is like. <laughs> wow okay i had i had friends texting me being like we're fucked aren't we and i'm like i don't know man 
let's just fucking see what happens, eh? Because my friend uh, worked in a very, very fucking Tory sector. I won't, I won't name or mention what the industry is because it will get him in a lot of trouble to be associated with me. Um, <laughs> uh, but he, um, he was like, oh, this fucking place. There are so many fucking Tories, and they're all, they're all just like shit-eating grins, delighted. And I'm like, just let's see what happens on the election night let's not let's not think about them and then he tells me the day after that they were fucking miserable half of them had called in sick (laughs) like they had like called in a hung parliament had just crushed their constitution so badly they all got ill (laughs) it was very fun uh i remember that when the 20 uh although yeah obviously scary when it was first announced i remember the 2019 election literally the night before i'd been on twitter like basically having a breakdown just saying like how can labor ever win if like they can't get a a person from the shadow cabinet to go on tv and say corbyn's not anti-semitic i was like how can like nobody will like just stick up for him against these ridiculous smears like why the fuck how the fuck can we ever win unless people start defending Corbyn as a person again, which we used to do. We used to do that. And then, oh, somebody said he laid a reef for terrorists. Oh, I guess we've oh, got that's, to that's distance fucking been, ourselves from here. That's been fucking resurrected in light of that please retweet thing. Because that was... Um, that is, the person who originally made the image has locked his account to delete a bunch of tweets where he takes credit for making the image. um because obviously um because he specifically said i made the image and i will defend it in court and i'm like well you better get ready to do that buddy because um i guess because he specifically cites the reef story which i will point out the people they say he laid the reef for are buried in another country (laughs) they're not buried in the country where the reef was fucking laid what the fuck are we talking about like anyway i'm not it's it's such like an obviously factually incorrect thing that like it's 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 amazing that this brain worm has uh entered certain people well at what i would call agrocentrist minds um, such that they are mines at all. Um, <laughs> my work on agrocentrism, well liked and well known, apparently. Indeed, um, revered in the scientific community. <laughs> yeah, where I specific, yeah, when I dressed as a doctor for a video, <laughs> and now we're gonna have. Well, there's gonna be a shirt based on the made-up hospital I made <laughs> that he worked at. <laughs> so get ready for St. Brendan's Hospital, everyone. That's a shirt coming soon. Maybe even out already. Uh, by the time this is released um, <laughs> i'm sorry sir but the prognosis is bad tell me doctor tell me tell me what's wrong i'm afraid you've come down with a very serious case of baldness <laughs> <laughs> to be fair someone has suggested i do a video on political baldness and i yes, just link and should. i just link them to the agrocentrism video because i'm like i'm just gonna say the same stuff at a certain point but i might because <laughs> someone's like you need to do a primer on political baldness and i'm like oh i would love to do that and just uh, use and you get the bald compass out you know the bald not oh bald yeah compass. that's really good yeah yeah, oh, yeah. for example use use footage of dave ward from the cwu's video where he's you know he's like oh i have join the cwu whatever he's like jabbing his finger forward like i'll send it to you but that yeah. is like that's like the new baldness of the left <laughs>
<laughs> new baldness, much like new metal. No one wanted it, but <laughs> no, no, no. This um, is good. This is good. Yeah, bald. I know. Good baldness. Yeah, I know. Everyone, we all want uh, Dave Ward. But, Dave uh, Ward is good. He's actually a really good poster as well on Twitter. He is. Really good yeah. follow. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's good. The CWU are, are a good union. Yeah. Um, Never heard anything bad about them from friends in it. So no, if, exactly. you, if you're in if you're in the appropriate sector, definitely join it. Was there another chapter we wanted to talk about? Yeah, um, Starmer. I think we wanted to get to the Starmer. Oh, we wanted stuff. to do more Starmer stuff because we didn't get to do enough of it, really. I did. Yeah. I did get the key point out, which was Starmer saying he did the yeah. suspension. I wanted to make sure we talked about that specifically. So I think yeah, we, we should accomplish. But we should talk about those bits though because they were redacted when they were reported in the press. Yes. So we want chapter twenty-two. The juicy stuff. Uh. This well, is I, the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, might as well actually. Yeah, let's just let's just do that. Um, yeah. Uh, he just... he points out that um, Starmer had his carefully chosen pledges, mm-hmm. um, his carefully phrased pledges. You know, uh, common ownership, not public ownership. Yeah, and and it's like yeah, kinda. I could, you know, at the time. So there's this there's this thing here. It's a, the the chapter is called New Management, which is very funny, um, because if you recall, under New Management was the big, the big meme. Once upon a time, um, mm. oh, those were the days. Um, but the, actually, at the very beginning of their relationship as like leader and um, head of the trade union it seems like it was a good relationship like they had um even during the contest they seem to have a good relationship because you know um len mccluskey's open and honest with him he's like look i don't see you as a right winger and i don't you know i don't regard you as a blairite or whatever there are people who regard you as a blairite i don't you know you just yeah, gotta, you I mean, just gotta, I, you gotta resist say, that pressure you should know? Have, he should have talked to some people in kia's clp there but uh yeah, or, or, of... or talk to talk to Mr. Jeremy Corbyn about uh, you know working with Starmer in his shadow cabinet. But to be fair, Starmer literally never dissented from any actual like um, apart from obviously on Brexit. Uh, he he totally like just pretended to be on board with the Corbyn agenda. Um, I mean, as, apart, as did from, most apart from when he apart from when he resigned in 2016 to join Owen Smith. Uh, yeah, that's true. But like from from 2016 onwards, like Starmer was like with along with the mainstream of the PLP, they're like, oh yeah, we agree with the policies. <laughs> we just, yeah, uh, you know that 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 kind of thing, which obviously they didn't. But 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 uh, he was totally willing to go along with that. But I mean, yeah, I think people like Len and... should have seen through through that. And and Len kind of like you know. Because Keir Starmer's stated objective at this point, according to the book, and to be fair, public comment is, look, I, we're just fucking fed up with all the fighting. Can we just have a united party for a bit? Yeah. Nothing, nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? You know, being knackered with it all, you know. And so Len's like, yeah, you know, let's let's do that. And he even says here, like, about what uh, Keir Starmer said to him. He told me he liked Jeremy and that many of the policies developed under him were good. You know, yeah. Many of us will recall Keir Starmer calling Jeremy Corbyn a friend. Yeah, of course. And the attacks on us... him were terrible, apparently. Yeah. And you know that he actually gave the one good answer to the rating out of ten, right? Which was like, look, he's a mate. I'm not gonna fucking do that. Je- Jeremy know. is a friend and colleague, uh, and I I don't think it's appropriate to rate him out of ten. Yeah, that's it. But that's true. Like that's that's like a professional. 
<laughs> Which, by the way, tells you something about Starmer, the campaigner, the liar during the campaign. Versus where, where, Starmer, the, where has know. that campaigning skill gone? Uh, you, you think well, that, and then you remember, actually, he did like a few good appearances uh, when he was like pretending to be left wing to the Labour membership. But mostly it was just project- projection. It wasn't like yeah. that he was good at speaking back back in those days or anything. No, he wasn't. It was the same fucking voice. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, he spent most of the campaign out of action due to a family tragedy. I mean, he was like, really, Which, people were just like filling in the gaps. You know, Which, were... to be fair, like, fair enough. You If you have a family tragedy, you don't have to go campaigning up and down the country. I no, think. I'm not I think saying that's... he was wrong yeah, to I know, take I know. time I'm just, off. I'm but... just... But just pe- putting that out there. But <laughs> like... people just imagined they were certain, just like they watch the hustings with, uh, uh, like basically, I guess, Nandy and RLB <laughs> at, the, at the end. They just uh, they'd watch the hustings with those two, and they'd be like, "Well, something's off here." Uh, so, so, so there's a th- I know that the third candidate isn't there. Uh, and 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 so they just like fill in the blank with just like, well, he's a statesman-like man. I'm gonna vote for him. <laughs> I think this is part of why I remember this. I remember this discourse very clearly, because it was like, I'm not sure this is true, but I did kind of like, uh, like be like, yeah, whatever, right? We'll see what happens. But people were like, you can't really meme Keir Starmer at the time. I remember this yeah, very clearly. Yeah, obviously we and were I'm wrong. Not, but... And I'm not, I'm not naming names to be clear. <laughs> I'm not gonna. This is not that kind of podcast where I'm gonna name the name of everyone who is wrong. I might be one of those people. To be fair, don't assume me about it. To be clear, do not assume me. Um, I will not respond. Than, a fate worse than death. <laughs> yeah, do not do it to me, please. I have a family. Um, but but um, there was this whole Keir Starmer's unmemeable thing, and I'm like, actually remembering that he was essentially absent from the campaign does go some way to explaining that. So to everyone who I, like, viciously attacked over that (laughs) recently, I'm sorry. I understand now. It wasn't your fault. Um, And it turns out he was very memeable, and it's been great fun. So... (laughs) You know what can you do? Well, um, yeah, it's been fun. It's some some fun things. Oh well, you know you were on for the local election Schadenfreude stream, weren't you? That, that was, was great. great. Yeah, that, that was a, that was great. That was a great night. Just a bunch of uh, good friends having a nice time. Um, he also does mention Jess Phillips when talking about the leadership election. The, the Jess herself was quickly found to be utterly vacuous, which many of us <laughs> on the left already knew. I had to read her book three times uh, in preparation <laughs> for a Praxis Cast episode. P.S. Praxis Cast, I hate you. Don't ever make me read a book again. Um, I say this, and Rob has already DM'd me a book for a future appearance, and I Ooh. hate it. I don't. I don't like this at all. What is it? Um, I shouldn't say because okay. I, I, I don't. I, I don't want. I like don't want teasing me to get asked. No, 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 no. I don't want to spoil it for the Praxis Cast people. Okay. Because I, I, I'm, I'm basically they should know that the Portent of Doom is returning to their podcast, but like oh. they don't know what. Well. But, but he does talk about um, the people who Keir Starmer approached. Paul Mason and Laura Parker are named here. Right wingers, um, exactly. No, I mean those are like the fucking idiots who gave left cover to this like, obvious like counter revolution. Yeah, um, Paul Mason, I have a particular, well, well documented particular thing about him. Um, yeah. Mostly, yeah. Um, and basically, he puts down 
he puts Keir Starmer winning the leadership election, just to get this out there, down to a combination, it seems, of, like, shock. Because let's be honest, it's a shock. Yeah. Like, it was bad. Like, it was a bad time. And, like, people simply believing Keir Starmer. Which, like, yeah. I mean, why would you want to believe someone's a liar? If you have no real conception that they could they could have lied in the past now turns out maybe people should have paid a bit of attention but what can you do and he actually speaks more to Keir Starmer than Jeremy Corbyn yeah he says like, that as I mean, I don't know yeah he says true. that, that I seems mean... like a lie uh, uh, just a line <laughs> he has but like but but I mean yeah it's obviously like they back unite backed rebecca long bailey because she was the candidate offering the closest thing to their political desiderata but Mm. at at the same time you know i kind of agree with len but uh john mccluck john mccluskey john mcdonald they would have called him john mccluskey uh if you if you want (laughs) i know i think john mcdonald should have run for leader in 2019 and i don't really i think a lot of the time his political judgment is um faulty but i think a lot of uh members might have been convinced to vote for him as a continuation of the left project there was of course at the time this general consensus well apparently not among the membership as it turned out yeah uh that the 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 candidates should be women um yeah now of course uh keir starmer very recently (laughs) did a video about um you know um you know, letting women be in politics and stuff like that, and I'm like, you know, when the time to test that would have been during the leadership contest, when not even not even to like let Rebecca Long Bailey, who would have obviously then been the front runner, have a clear run at it. I mean, like there was a candidate with identical politics to him, who had actual charisma, <laughs> in the form of Emily Formbury, who yeah. you know. Who I find a much less like hateable figure, possibly because she's not the leader of the Labour Party. To be well, fair. yeah. But um, who knows? What, well, I say she has identical politics to him. Then perhaps I would have hated her too. But you know, but it's just it's just one of these things. It's just one of these things. I don't know that. I think John McDonnell rightly was like, look, I'm probably a case of personal tiredness. And plus, mm. he'd had the heart. You know, I think it. I think it was not unreasonable for john mcdonald to be like look like the moment has passed for me the job like, does uh, yeah it, the job could conceivably kill him uh, yeah. i mean it, in, it, in... it practically seems it seems to kill you know go a long way to killing most leaders like yeah uh, like it's it's not a it's Keir. not a yeah it's <laughs> not, not looking job. so good right now <laughs> yeah i think it's fair to say it's not an easy job but then you, your job is to basically be a sheep dog for snakes like it just it doesn't seem like a clever thing to be doing with your life which is why i think like no one will ever bother running for the leadership of this fucking party again like what is the actual fucking point but he t- he talks about the early leadership and like um the first basically the very famous first thing that happened is the leak of the of the uh, of the report um detailing a factional you know, factional obstructionism and uh, factional behavior in the disciplinary system. Yeah. And, um, you know, he says to Starmer, I mentioned this on stream, I'll mention it again, I don't give a fuck who leaked the report. In fact, if we ever find out who did it, they'll be getting a special medal from Unite. Um, and well, obviously, what, what like... what Starmer said to that, I reckon he was just like... Ah, bu- 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 
the, the main the, the rules uh, they broke the rules Kia I mean sorry uh, Len they broke the rules but like the main thing he's well there are lots of things he's upset about including um, the infamous um, thing about a friend of this podcast and my stream um, who yeah the infamous thing about that that I won't repeat because it's just fucking horrendous but it, it involves someone who suffers from poor mental health and it's oh, just yeah. fucking disgusting. I'm not repeating it because it just makes me viscerally angry, to be honest. And so I'm not I'm not going to get into it. But there's the main thing he's wound up about is obviously, as we mentioned, um, Unite provided 70% of the trade union funding for uh, Labour's 2017 general election campaign. Now, what's said in this report and what see well, is that... Um, a parallel campaign was run. Ergen House. Ergen House, which is referred to several times in here. Um, so Ergen House is Labour's L- London Labour's regional HQ or something like that. Um, mm. But they ran the camp the, this parallel campaign from there, where they, according to the report, misappropriated funds to specifically as part of an already defensive campaign. Um, to specifically defend factional allies of the people who had siphoned the funds, uh, sorry, misappropriated the funds. Now, the probability is that that funding came from Unite because a massive chunk of that um, funding came from Unite. Yeah. Overall for the party, which obviously means this is a particular slight against Unite. Well, it's it would perceived pre- as such. It would presumably have to be from the uh, officially registered funds uh, provided to the party. You, you know, yeah. it would be it would be surely stacking crimes among uh, upon crimes were there uh, some kind of undeclared income. Uh, oh yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. No, I'm not receive the the the, the, the labour right. No, I'm saying we're making layers to this shit. We don't even know. Oh, like, maybe if like... they were they were getting income for this, like from from some source that uh, you know, given this was all top secret. I, I, yeah, it would like, be interesting I, to see the books. <laughs> oh yeah, well that would be very interesting, but it's it's speculation. It's yeah. the speculation zone. I I don't know enough about the mechanics of this sort of thing to speculate properly on it. But I'll take everyone else at their word if they think it's possible. Um, I will believe any conspiracy theory against people I don't like. Basically, yeah. is what I've just said. Um, but you know, he's um, he's basically he talks about the the six figure sum that's paid out to the Seven X staff yeah. who were involved in the BBC Panorama is Labour anti-Semitic. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, episode. which Len says they seem to put the the word "is" in the in the title in the wrong place. Yeah, and the pro- and they probably didn't want the question mark there. Yeah, and they, they sued... were not asking a question. <laughs> now, um, Len knew that the party's barristers had advised they would win the case. Now, people are like, "Oh, yeah, lawyers always tell you that." Um, to be clear, no, they don't. Lawyers <laughs> do not like going to court and losing. As a general rule, <laughs> like I would, I would, I would suggest that they don't particularly enjoy it. Um, and he may, and a lot of that money, again, Len makes the point because of the funding situation with the party. That money is, he feels effectively a mis- misuse of Unite funds. Now, yeah. Also, members' money as well, I would say, but. 
he he sort of expresses that feeling and um he he basically makes the point that a lot of us made which is basically that by settling in this way he has effectively look kirstama has effectively attracted ambulance chasers to the party yeah uh, what, what he says is um it was a huge miscalculation that effectively hung up a sign outside the labor party saying queue here with your writ and get your payment over there yeah um and also he and he also says that Star, if it had been Starmer's own money, he would have been rather more interested in the barrister's advice. Again, exactly. It's easy it, it, not to not to use a sort of old right wing canard in a way, but like it's easy to spend other people's money. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah um, especially when you're settling with people, as he points out, were featured in the leaked report, which detailed their allegedly factional behaviour. That's a direct quote from Len. Um, and he also says the, the obvious fact about the EHRC report, which is that it didn't say that Jeremy Corbyn was anti-Semitic. Or that anti-Semitism um, was widespread within the party. Yeah. And, and um, it, it, fa- it found two specific cases. Um, in fact, one of the cases, I believe, was speeding up the, expo- uh, the case of uh, Ken Livingston. Yeah, yeah, and and also I make the case that like in um I, 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 like sometimes when there were interventions uh in the other direction in disciplinary processes it was uh you know maybe the ERC would disagree but I I think totally defensible like there was a there was a concern that as indeed has happened under Starmer's leadership that left wing Jews were being tar- who obviously going to discuss these issues more than other people were being targeted for four outside the uh the kind of consensus of acceptable speech um by saying things that are essentially a legitimate part of debates within their own community so um and so... It, and incidentally legitimate uh, and incidentally the hrc did make the point that the things that they're saying are things that labor members are allowed to say yeah yeah and i, I so I, like, I, they're I very specific about that actually I, I think it's yeah it's just not true that people uh connected to the leadership were stepping in to make sure that plainly anti-semitic people uh didn't suffer consequences for their actions i just don't think that happened yeah, that that's that's the thing because we need to be like we need to be clear about what the sort of expectation was from people who were eager for this report to happen and come out. Their expectation was it would say Jeremy Corbyn is the bastard man who personally intervened to mm. prevent, you know, the you know the Labour machinery from removing anti-Semites from the party. That turned out not to be what it said, right? Yeah, it just it just didn't it, it just did not say that. Um, any literate person, which again explains why a lot of uh, agrocentrists and the PLP seem <laughs> unable to sort of engage with it, um, can read that report and understand that. Um, now, obviously, because we're talking about the HRC report, uh, this is the big sort of thing, the big sort of reveal here, which is that uh, then about an hour after the speech, which um, Keir Starmer had made, where he... So basically, Keir Starmer makes this, um, you know, what I would describe as sort of like a reasoned, calm speech where he's like, you know, I accept the findings, um, you know, I accept that these recommendations have to be implemented because it's a legal requirement when the EHRC says you have to, you know, you do this. It is a legal requirement that they have to make these changes. So, of course, Keir Starmer is not going to be like, I'm not going to implement these changes. Um, And... 
you know, and Len McCluskey saying like, yeah, I think it should have been independent because then it kind of diffuses the issue as a political matter. Now, you know, there's obviously questions about how do you practically make an independence complaints process, but that's for the party to figure out now that it's a requirement, a legal requirement of it. Um, and he doesn't, and he doesn't, and this is, I went to watch the tape just to sort of confirm that Len was right about this. He does not take any of the bait to talk about Jeremy Corbyn specifically. He's like, it's not, you know, that's not what the subject of the report is. The subject of the report is something else. It's these, it's these legal requirements that are being demanded of us. That's it. We move, you know, fine. Fair enough. But then about an hour after the speech, Keir called uh, Len McCluskey to tell him that he had suspended Jeremy Corbyn from the Labour Party. Now, Len McCluskey is being very specific about the wording here. Mm. He says, he put me in an impossible position. He put me me. in an impossible position and I had no choice. Not, he put David Evans in an impossible position and David Evans had no choice. (laughs) Yeah, and there's also, and also to be fair, um, even if it was David Evans who did this, um... So, the, so, you know, Len makes the point that, like, it would be embarrassing for Keir Starmer to have immediately violated one of the uh, one of the main identified issues with Labour's disciplinary process by the HRC, which is that political agents of the party are not meant to be interfering in disciplinary cases. Yeah. yeah makes makes a great deal of sense to me. There's nothing... That makes so much sense. Why didn't we... My goodness, why didn't we think of it earlier, right? But it also names the general secretary as a political agent, as a position of political... as a, a political <laughs> agent. So even if they, it's David Evans, not Keir Starmer, they might still be in some trouble. Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest. Like, the two of them probably discussed it. And that they, it was prob- they were probably the two men most responsible for the decision. Um... What Jeremy Corbyn had said to provoke Keir Starmer was, anyone claiming there is no anti-Semitism in the Labour Party is wrong. One one anti-Semite is too many. But the scale of the problem was also dramatically overstated for political reasons by our opponents inside and outside the party, as well as by much of the media. That combination hurt Jewish people and must never be repeated. defended that statement about 500 times on this podcast so don't really need to get into it but what we need to get into is um keir starmer's response to uh len mccluskey he says um that if anyone thought there's um in his speech sorry he said that anyone who thought there's no problem with anti-semitism in the labor party that it's all exaggerated or a factional attack then frankly you are part of the problem, and you should be nowhere near the Labour Party either. Again, notice the words no problem and all exaggerated. Um, Keir was telling Len down the phone that Jeremy had deliberately undermined him. I didn't want to be in this position, he said. I spent a week trying to make sure that this isn't where we ended up. I spoke to Jeremy last night. Angela told him what I was going to say. It's as if he's gone out of his way to contradict that line in my speech. I'm so... So I'm beyond angry with Jeremy. I I will probably point out at this... It's probably worth pointing out that in various other accounts of this situation, um, that it appears that Keir Starmer's office may have... 
deliberately been a bit difficult about, you know, because they wanted to give Jeremy Corbyn advance sight of the statement and um, Corbyn wanted to give them advance sight of his statement just so that there wasn't any confusion or contradiction or anything. Um, it seems like there was a bunch of deliberate mishaps, let's say, um, that have occurred in certain accounts of this. Um, and Len McCluskey puts this down to like overreaction. This reaction yeah. is an overreaction. Uh, Corbyn hadn't contradicted what was said, neither in spirit nor in really, to be fair, the text of it. Um, I told he tells Keir, I don't know why you said that in your speech in the first place. If the whole purpose was to try and calm this down and move on, almost as if they were trying to bait a particular outcome, given that they'd had advanced sight of Corbyn's speech. Mm. Now, again, it's a speculation zone, but you know, um, and yeah, um, and obviously Jeremy Corbyn gives this broadcast interview is very, very well known now at this point, where he essentially substantiates his uh, his reasoning behind the idea that there was an element of exaggeration behind it, because he points out that in public perception in an opinion poll, one f- the, the the public perception was that on average people said one third of Labour Party members were somehow or other under suspicion of anti-Semitism. The reality is it was 0.3% of party members who had a case against them. I've got to to point out, by the way, that if a party was disciplining a third of its members for anti-Semitism, I mean, at the very least, that is a party that's disciplinary process is a very concerned with weeding out anti-Semitism. And also, it would be a party that has essentially given itself an impossible task. Like, a third of Labour members at the time would have been somewhere around 190,000 people. Yeah. Like, I want to I put that in context. That's like 60,000 fewer people than my hometown. Yeah. Like, when I was growing up there. It might be bigger now, to be fair. God. Um, but yeah, it, it, and it's one of these things where Len McCluskey is constantly trying to pull Keir Starmer back, right? He's saying, like, you have reacted very quickly to this. Mm. Just, like, please, like, for the love of God, like, just take a second, like, watch these interviews take a breath like it's not you know there's nothing nothing's happened so far that can't be taken back right um well i mean to to an extent as it turns out it can't be taken back now yeah um but yeah they they end up having this sort of like war room conference infamous which i have heard from somebody on the call uh was one of the most depressing fucking calls of all time just like this like bunch of totally defeated people just saying as len says in this book uh we shouldn't mobilize the membership against the suspension <laughs> like the maddest thing like in the world when when corbyn's leadership was threatened uh how did we keep him leader? Oh yeah, we mobilised the membership. Like, and the left, um, you know, ever deferential, just seemed to think, oh well, we just cause a fuss if we mobilise the membership. What we I... need to do is just do backroom deals. Um, I'm, I am so, I am so glad I'm done with this party. <laughs> like, I am, I am so glad if to it, be done with this. It's like... the kind of thing, you know, this makes it makes me really angry uh, because you know of. It, 
you could see that Starmer was going to renege on that. This is obviously not somebody who is operating in good faith and could be trusted. And as much as I respect McCluskey and John Trickett, who were the, the negotiators... Yeah, um, they, were the, they were the leads on this. They were negotiating with somebody who didn't want to be negotiated with. You know, you you can't capitulate to terrorist demands, guys. <laughs> yeah, look, you can't be Owen. We can't all be Owen Smith getting around the table with ISIS. Exactly. Yeah, like, Keir Starmer, got... much worse than ISIS. Oh. <laughs> uh... <laughs> in, in all there's no, ways, there's there's no way I can react to that. That's any good. So I'm just gonna kind of <laughs> yeah, move, move on, move on, <laughs> moving swiftly on. Um, so this particular series of backroom shenanigans is actually quite well documented. Um, uh, by by Len it is. This is all the shit that was redacted in the press. Oh yeah, this uh, is yeah, this and um some of, well some of the specific quotes are not well known, but the the sort of arrangement mm. of figures and so on is is I think documented by Navarra Media um in one of their articles at the, least some part. This is such a badass line. Like, so he's negotiating with uh, with Keir, with uh, Morgan McSweeney, formerly of Starmer's office, uh, and Angela Rayner. Um, and um, Angela began by requesting our discussion be confidential. Given what happened subsequently, I no longer feel bound by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it... There's just there's just all sorts of stuff here. So so basically, there's this contention from Keir Starmer publicly. What he said is there was no deal, no deal has been arranged, right? Like that is that is what he he says. Now what's described here is a deal. Like to be very clear, a deal is described here. So basically, he he asks a very specific question, and this sounds like a deal is being made, right? Are you saying that if we could reach an agreed form of words that both Jeremy and you, Keir, are happy with, then the suspension could be lifted? Keir said, yes. Morgan (laughs) and Angela also agreed. This sounds like Keir Starmer personally agreed to a deal. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, They set an an NEC panel. uh, They convene one to take care of the formalities and avoid the appearance of political interference, so they make sure to stack it with right-wingers. It it was three to two, if I recall correctly, so a, a clear, you know, yeah, as much of a clear majority as you can really have with five people. Angela um, suggested we can all come out and welcome his statement, and that will set the climate. Uh, they got uh, Simon Fletcher, who'd worked for both Starmer and Corbyn, to uh, draft some words. Uh, John Trickett offered to help. Um, it was all agreed. Uh, Len proposed that they work out the statement, and it was all agreed upon. Uh, then they had a draft by the Saturday. Uh, and this is this is a direct quote. Yeah. So yeah, Len was um, like recording this call, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so we're gonna we're gonna assess whether a deal has occurred here. I I am um, I am by the way fully in favour of secretly recording your shady backroom deals with Blairite cunts. I think that's a, oh, if you're do, thought... if you're gonna do shady backroom deals with Blairite cunts, you gotta have a secret recording device. I I genuinely <laughs> thought you were gonna be like I'm in favour of secretly recording all conversations, and that's how this podcast was started. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I do tend to have the uh, MP3 Skype recorder going at all times, so if yeah, if well... it's on Skype, there's a high chance I have a record of it on my computer there yeah. you go 
Um, yep. So this is this is what Len McCluskey says ex- verbatim. So this has evidently been recorded, I think. Yeah. Morgan, as far as we're concerned, it is our expectation that if Jeremy agrees to the statement, then that is the end of the matter and the suspension will be lifted after due process and Jeremy will be back to normal. Morgan's response was, yes, that is our expectation also. And, K- and Len McCluskey clarifies here. He's just leaning into on... microphone. <coughs> testing, yeah. testing. And you speak on behalf of Kier. <laughs> yeah. And and um, this is Morgan McSweeney, I think, replies, yes. <laughs> it's like when, when, when you, you, you go into like the drug boss lair with your wire on you, uh, the cops in the van outside listening, and you're just like, can you confirm that, that, that crime boss uh, Keir Starmer is about to sell me a large quantity of heroin? <laughs> <laughs> just like tapping the recording device. <laughs> Uh, oh man i'm just imagining glenn mccluskey is like obvious you know um i don't know if you watch bojack horseman but there's a bit where the cop there's a cat character who's a cop tries to buy drugs and is obviously a cop i think i've seen that <laughs> yeah yeah i've definitely yeah. I've, def- I've watched all of bojack yeah oh, i love bojack horseman um good show comedy. yeah yeah late night viewing for me i think after this um mm. be, be, so... be a good watch so this is what I mean by like the public percep- the public statements by Keir Starmer's team was that there was no deal. So his spokesperson says there was there was no deal on reinstatement, no, and pressed on whether senior leader you know Lotto staff had advanced sight of Jeremy's second statement, which they had in fact co-written. He would <laughs> respond, "We're not going to comment on private conversations." Well, Len McCluskey sure is. Um... <laughs> I am perfectly prepared to comment. In fact, I am so confident of the account I have given here that I have submitted it for use in legal proceedings and will stand by it in court. Beautiful. We can't wait for that. So bad. Um, and basically what happens here is um, Jeremy Corbyn doesn't want to move as quickly as um, Lotto want him to move because he obviously... Um, he didn't According trust Len, he for didn't some trust, reason. Yeah, he didn't trust the other side to stick to the deal, which is a sign that he perhaps has some good instincts. But, Len, and thought, but yeah, maybe Corbyn's a bit smarter than the people who are like, oh and, no, oh no, Jeremy, we don't, we don't want to cause division in the party by mobilizing and, the membership. And let me, and, and in fact, here's another good insight because I think this is a correct insight. Um, and he thought releasing the statement long in advance of an NEC panel hearing would give the right too much time to ratchet up pressure on care and scuff at the arrangement. Now, um, Jeremy Corbyn releases this uh, this clarifying statement. It's um, on the 17th of November. It's still up. You can read it. Um, he says the following, which is which to be clear is agreed with. Uh, Keir Starmer's office. Co-written. Co-written by Keir Starmer's office. In fact, so he says, to be clear, concerns about anti-Semitism are neither exaggerated nor overstated, said the key passage referring to, you know, the issue at hand there. The point I wish to make was that the vast majority of Labour members were and remain committed anti-racists, deeply opposed to anti-Semitism. And then this five-person NEC panel, um, only two of whom could be described as pro-Corbyn, unanimously readmit him into the party. Now, th- this, um, some of us will recall, caused 
a fucking shit show. Yeah, people are um, like, political interference, bias, bias yeah. by people who wanted the Labour Party to win the last two elections against yeah. people who wanted the Tories to win. Yeah, no, noted um, person who has never gotten over being owned by Jeremy Corbyn in a debate, Margaret Hodge tweeted that it was a broken outcome from a broken system. Um, She's such was, a piece it was of shit. factionally opposed to him. Uh, the Jewish Labour movement blamed a factionally aligned political committee. Yeah, factionally aligned Idiots. to the leader of the Labour Party. Like, these people are so indifferent to the actual facts. Just relentless, vicious, ideological and, zealots. And, um, yeah, basically Starmer crumbled. Um, because it was reported he was given an ultimatum by Hodge. She would resign from the party if Corbyn remained a Labour MP. Oh, no. Now, I would... now to, to sort of... Uh, channel Len McCluskey I would simply say good yeah um, the Labour Party needs fewer Margaret Hodges it ne- you know what Labour pa- a Labour Party a party of Labour a party of working people needs fewer of people who are right wing uh, yeah yeah honest. yeah yeah definitely like, that's what it needs fewer of and it needs fewer of people who behave in a way that if they behave that way in any other job they would be sacked <laughs> obviously Hodge is um, most famous for screaming at Jeremy Corbyn that he's a racist a and an anti-Semite. Racist. Yeah, yeah. Now th- th- she was not unique in the screaming at Jeremy Corbyn conduct, from what I've heard and from common press reports. But uh, you would be sacked if you did that in any other job. If I yelled at my boss, at my line manager. I would be well. I passed my probation, so it'd be a month. I'd have a month. No, but a- like... actually, actually, Stephen Bush, who you know, he he's really in touch with uh, the the conditions in in the workplace. You know, this is a guy who who knows all about uh, the industrial side of things. Stephen Bush said, "Well, no, actually, in most workplaces, if you screamed at your boss that he is a fucking racist and anti-Semite, like unprovoked by any action." like action like he'd not been like saying anti-semitic things to you or something if you just walked up to your boss and screamed you are a fucking racist an anti-semite he was like no it actually um that would be taken very seriously but uh oh yeah and, and, oh yeah and, and, sure. and actually any disciplinary against you would be found to be like discrimination by a workplace tribute isn't it interesting that the ehrc report uh didn't mention um for disciplinary actions against margaret hodge in in the light of her comments there actually that is very interesting and john mcdonald uh, in another book uh, it, 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 um, described another book as being very much wanting not that disciplinary procedure not to happen um, again f- so frequently wrong <laughs> St- yeah <laughs> still should have run as leader against Keir. but what can you do love to hate him um <laughs> oh i don't i don't but, hate mcdonald I no just... I, I don't i'm i'm kind of like indifferent to him in the way that i am to like Moss, I guess, at this point. I'm just like, he's there. It's fine. Um, but yeah, he... So at no time in our discussion, so basically talking about... There was never any mention of the whip being withdrawn from Jeremy Corbyn. No. Um, because the objective of both sides, at least when the the open negotiating positions of both sides were, he's going to be a Labour MP again, we're... We're drawing a line under it. We're moving on with our lives. Now, he, Jeremy Corbyn is in this sort of uniquely absurd position, as he so often is, but not this specific one. He just is in absurd positions all the time. But mm. 
he is in this position where he is simultaneously a Labour member, because he, he was, re- remember, his Labour membership was restored, um, or unsuspended, or whatever the technical term is there. And he is an MP, uh, but he's not a Labour MP. Yeah, yeah, so it's so absurd. It's, it's such, just like, it's such, Labour... It's such like, Labour is just this little club that an individual independent MP can be part of. Like, what? Yeah, like, anyway, it's it doesn't make any sense. Um, and he does, and so Keir, Keir Starmer, uh, but Corbyn was told via whatever mechanisms he was told. I didn't want to say Keir Starmer said it because that's not what's written in the book, and I don't remember the exact facts. But if he wanted the whip restored, he would have to make an apology. Len McCluskey makes the point that if an apology was so important, why didn't the leader of the opposition's office include one in the statement they wrote? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. don't think that's an unfair question, and he obviously makes the point that, like, he is a trade unionist and you should never renege on a deal. Um, Which, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, exactly. It's just bullshit as well. Like, as if another fucking apology is going to do anything, you know? It's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure, you know... No, no, you know, it's... It, uh, come on. I just thought this whole thing of, like, forced apologies and shit. I know we're talking on a day in which Jeremy Corbyn did just force an insincere apology <laughs> from a Tory cunt in in, uh, in the courts. But, I, I mean, I'm I, for me, generally, I don't want to hear somebody apologise unless they actually um, are sincerely sorry for their crimes. Or, or are legally compelled to by Jeremy. Yeah, Corbyn's that lawyers. actually, that's. Yeah. I'll make an exception for if they get sued by somebody I like, like Jeremy Corbyn. And I think, yeah. I think, I think that shows that um, you know God is on our side. <laughs> uh, no, obviously we are cursed. God is not on our side. Uh, Beelzebub yeah. haunts our every action. Um, very metal of me there. Uh, that was very cool. Uh, it was unexpectedly cool. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff, you know, I, you know, we, we will both kind of agree with Len about uh, the manner in Manitary, which Corbyn yeah. was uh, suspended showed the uh, weakness in reforming the party under his leadership. Hmm. Yeah, and it's yeah, it just it just shows where the. Uh, where the where the holes were in the whole thing and and he also points out that like the plp the the fucking state of the plp is like the main limiting factor yeah to a lot and and the cl uh, he actually slags off the socialist campaign group a bit he's like despite the best efforts of its secretary richard bergen uh half of the socialist campaign group proved in the aftermath of corbyn suspension that they didn't know the meaning of solidarity <laughs> which i think yeah. is good for all the like have, have you noticed all the liberals seem to love nadia Whittam? It's just like, oh, could this be uh, to do with anything? The fact, uh, could this be anything to do with the fact that she's was fucking terrible on the Corbyn suspension, and it's generally shit on Palestine. So anything, any factor in there. That's uh, that's the one MP who follows me on Twitter oh, and is sorry also about my that. MP. Yes, yeah, she's your um, MP. I know. She's I my MP now because I've moved to her constituency. So I'm well, gonna... uh, what oh, I will say to Nadia is, uh, when the socialist campaign group offer a good statement on Palestine, you should not try and amend it to include Just... the wrong framing of the issue, and also you should sign statements of solidarity with Jeremy Corbyn, the man to whom you owe your political career. <laughs> uh, you know, S- simply, simply 
simply do good things. Uh, anyway, but um, the thing is, it, uh, that's just the one who came to mind. It's like half the PLP. Sam Tarry, he's a much bigger cunt because he's actually still got a job <laughs> under Starmer. He's, he's st- Sam... still working there, fucking Ilford sellout. <laughs> S- Sam Tarry is such like a viscerally disliked person among like the miscellaneous left who do stuff online. But like, I was, I so I went on this uh, this thing run by a bunch of like sort of left wing comedians who are quite funny on Twitter. Um, called Escape the North. I, I went on it. It was a Twitch. It's kind of like a Twitch role-playing game thing. Okay. Um, and I went on it, and there's sort of like a backstage bit because they've actually they're actually professionals and have like a well-maintained thing, unlike me, where we just sort of go live and just chat Jesus. shit in front of people for 20 minutes. But they were chatting with me behind the scenes, and one of the ones just to kind of get me settled in because I'm like, look, I've never done anything like this. Like a little bit nervous. They were like, oh man, isn't it, isn't it shit how Sam Tarry turned out to be such a melt? Yeah, that's <laughs> so, so, so true. So he's so specifically disliked that it was brought up in this backroom conversation, <laughs> sort of backstage conversation. So, yeah, um... well, but, I mean, I think the reason that Charlotte Nichols is like the biggest sellout is because she didn't even join the socialist campaign group. Like most uh, so-called left-wing MPs, like they realise, oh, right, this SCG, it... the SCG is so like unified but i can be i can be like right wing as fuck and still be allowed to be a member but charlotte nichols is just like no i do not even want to be in the same organization as 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 jeremy corbyn and richard bergen wasn't charlotte nichols a fan of this podcast once upon a time oh yeah yeah yeah, totally she like uh messaged me once asking for advice on uh starting a a (laughs) <laughs> like a uh, real politic for women kind of point. No, it was like it was basically just going to be like it was probably going to be much more serious uh, than our podcast it was going to be like talking to women throughout the trade union movement sounded good she never made it though uh i, I anyway uh, if she did then i apologize <laughs> but um yeah no i mean like that yeah exactly how do you go from like enjoying this ridiculous podcast to fucking not even joining the socialist campaign group she was a fan before Geraint was on it wasn't she yeah 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 like for real like an og fan like (laughs) how do you how do you at one point have not considered us beyond the pale but consider the socialist campaign group beyond the pale Who's to say? Yeah, I'm like, like how... every melt Angela Rayner supporter seems to be in there. So, you know, I, well, I was going to say, I don't know why Charlotte can't join, but I think it's because Richard Bergen kept her out. Which <laughs> is great. Um, I think, well, there's there's rumours. There's rumours about um, Charlotte Nichols, apparently, but I'm not going to get into them on the podcast. Well, um, her politics are terrible. Yeah, I've heard those rumours. Yeah, yeah, no, that I, rumor, I, I think yeah, I know um, what you mean. Um yeah. yeah, I think I think people who have seen um, any sort of shit poster underneath her usual tweets will know what the thing I'm think- talking about is. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's not talking about the incursion jokes. Um, but no, 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 I'm <laughs> but, not talking about that. But, but that like, was very bad. Yeah, I mean, we've pretty much we've covered a lot of stuff about this book now. <laughs> Definitely don't want to edit this too hard because it'll take forever. But I think we've had we've had a fun chat. We've got yeah, definitely. We've got a lot. We've got to the bottom of a lot of the stuff that I wanted to address, which was like the fact that Len mentions token up, uh, the Starmer stuff, uh, his, his the differences between his political strategy and uh, Sharon Graham's. Um, what else did we talk about? 
We talked about Metallica for quite a Metallica, bit. Metallica, yeah, that was the other thing. I, we didn't get enough Metallica chat in last time, so... We've, yeah. we've, ne- never enough Metallica chat for me. So yeah, the elephant in the room of this whole book really is Metallica. <laughs> you could say. <laughs> oh God! Imagine if Len McCluskey outed himself as a Metallica fan and was pro Saint Anger. <laughs> then I'd have to immediately change my opinion on the book. Wait, there's some really funny like uh, yeah yeah yeah. This is a good, funny musical reference. <laughs> like really bait. Um, as I pass three score years and ten, I realize in the words of the song by the Verve that I'm a lucky man. <laughs> oh, it's, I prefer That's the so Dylan good. quote, but yeah, um, no, the good, good, fun, breezy politics book. It's not, yeah, thing, not a thing you read. can say. Yeah, exactly. And not like a, a, a remedial reading age like Jess Phillips's books. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to the next one of those I have to read. Um... <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I, uh, anything else? Uh, no, not really. Um, <laughs> I think that's it. Other, other than like follow my Twitch and follow my YouTube. Yeah. But those are the two. Those are the two things. So it's Twitch.tv/skdecrusader and YouTube.com/skdecrusader or whatever. Just search skdecrusader. Also follow me on Twitter. I'm really funny. Night, man. Thank, thank Night. you for this this fun chat. Okay, I'm gonna right. get some dinner. Go for it. Uh, see you in a bit, man. See you in a bit, man. Later on. Bye. Bye. Say people it's crowdsourcing